Hi friends, welcome to episode 100. Can you believe it? A full century of episodes done and we're only just getting started. Today it is a special edition Q&A episode. Myself, Johnny and Yusuf sitting down in my living room to do nearly two hours of questions that we've received on the internet, uh, avoiding some that we just didn't fancy speaking about and going down rabbit holes with a lot of others. Also, you get to hear the long-awaited Why Did Yusuf Once Have a Lemon Ball story from a pilot episode we recorded nearly two years ago that never got aired. So in the same way as DVD extras and Easter eggs and stuff have have little treats for you, episode 100's got a lemon testicle-shaped treat as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. I massively appreciate all of your support. I've said it all along that I'm honestly would do this podcast even if no one tuned in. The opportunity to speak to the people that I get to share time or bandwidth with is pretty priceless. But the fact that hundreds of thousands of you continue to tune in every single month makes it even more meaningful. So yeah, thank you very much. Enjoy the lemon ball story and roll on the next hundred episodes. Lots of love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's episode 100. Woo-hoo! Uh, we've done 100 episodes of Modern Wisdom. Eee. Really well. <laughs> Shit the bed. Honestly, doesn't feel like it. I know. It's because you've just suddenly gone... Twice a week, yeah. Yeah, I know. But anyway, thank you very much to everyone who's tuned in over the last 100 episodes uh, do you remember the day we did the first podcast with you and we had the preamble of making the coffee and the coffee was too strong? Oh, that, that was, was for propane, right? Strong. Yeah. Yeah. So that so was our interview with you and then look podcasting at, just look, look Chris Fit. Chris Fit. Chris Fit it was, yeah. yeah, exactly. 16 million listen minutes later and we're here. Here we are. Uh, so we've got a couple of special treats for you today. We're going to do a Q&A. We asked for questions from people on the internet. Uh, Instagram have come up with some pretty good ones. Also, before I started this podcast as the name that it was, um, we did... Here comes the hot potato. <laughs> we did a pilot episode, and originally it was called Mind, Mind and Matter. A bit of a shite name, I know. Uh, Mind and Matter. And we did a pilot episode on purpose and meaning. As a part of that, Yusuf told us a story about when his testicle grew to the size of a lemon because he got a hydra seal and then he tried to pop it in the shower and then he had a number of other complications and I've been asked a lot because I keep referencing it, been asked to put this story in. So you're going to get to hear it. We've got the footage. Right now. Bing! Right right. now. Fine. I'm going to give you the full Monty. (laughs) (laughs) This... This is Are a, you sitting comfortably? This is a podcast about purpose, and we're going to spend the first five minutes <laughs> talking about my ball on request. Balls on demand. Balls on demand. Bod. Right. So, one day I was coming out of the shower, my flatmate saw my ball and said, Yusuf, that's really big. You need to do something about it. I said, No, it's fine. It's always been like that. 
<laughs> Chris is losing water out of his mouth. What was the first? What was the first? Like the first time that you you were like drying yourself off and you looked in the mirror and you're like, hmm. It's very gradual, and because the male denial of health issues runs so deep, mm. you end up just ignoring. Remember that you are they... a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I am now. I wasn't then, so I was. I was even more averse. And yeah, now it would be very different. I think I would would go after like when it got to half the size rather than the full full lemon. So you're twice as you're twice as sensitive to lemon ball now. Twice, yeah, exactly. My well, threshold. Now that you had a lemon ball, you know what you know what it looked exactly. Like. So, so so the reason it's lemon ball is because it was the size of a lemon, and I'd throughout that <laughs> process it was normal to begin with, and it gradually got bigger to until there was this mismatch, and you end up justifying to yourself like, oh, there's always been a slight difference in size or whatever, and then. It has to take someone else to say, no, no, come on. You said this three times this week. <laughs> no, no, no. So, went to the GP, they have a feel and they tell you, oh, it appears to be quite enlarged. And you're like, yep, yep, I know. I'll just refer you to the radiologist. The radiologist gets some gel on it, calculates the volume for 20 minutes to tell you that it's big. And you're like, okay, I don't know why you needed to ultrasound that. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not normal, that man. Oh, that's, that's a bit big. You've got like so, sonar in the room. <laughs> Very... Uh, yep. Yeah. It's enlarged. Something, if anyone's ever had a ball ultrasound, or if you, if you have one coming up, something that they do <laughs> is the nurse will come in, tell you to drop your pants to your knees, leave, and then she'll come back and say, oh, I've got this tissue to cover your penis for decency. <laughs> Because of course that's the important thing. How many bit. times have you heard this story? <laughs> no, 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 Four or five? Yeah. There's, all, there's little gems that he leaves out. And that's what I'm like, you have to do. Discovered. Don't half arse it. If you're going to do it, do it properly. I'm quite glad that you're happy to hear this again because I feel it's like brilliant. most people get. If you release the book, it was just this story I'd buy. <laughs> <laughs> so they cover your penis for decency, of course, because that's, that's the thing that's top on your mind. Do they like sausage roll it? Or how no, is they it? just drape. So, okay. so then you're sat there with just testicles exposed. <laughs> they, they, I, I realise, like, I, I'm trying to do this as, like, a public relations message to encourage men who have any kind of testicular problems to go out and seek help, but it's probably not really advertising it very well. You essentially have was to dress your dick up like Casper. Because <laughs> the tissue as well would have been penis and then ball, ball, it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So, it, like, it, it just really highlights the fact that you have one, one leg. <laughs> exactly. So, ultrasounded, passed, a few, passed around a few different people, eventually to the urologist. This is the guy who's going to operate. Big Nigerian man. Starts examining me and then walks over to the light without explaining what he's doing, turns it off and comes back with a torch and shines a light through the ball and it lights up like a Christmas light. <laughs> He looks really happy and says, you see this? It, it means it's not a cancer. And you're like, oh, great. Okay, so he's, he's really pleased about it. Later on found out that's, that's called a transillumination to check for, um, for any kind of cancer. So that, that's good news if it lights up. By this point, it was getting pretty big, like the size of a, like a little steroidal lemon. Like a mango. Mango. A small mango, yeah. And it was... It gets to the point where everything, everything else like rests on it. When you're standing, it comes out horizontally, um, and like you couldn't hide it in work trousers. And I did a competition in a in a singlet, and obviously setting up for bench. Whoever filmed me chose to use the, the angle like 
straight up towards it. And I had to down cover the pipe. Down the pipe. I had to cover it up with a text box on the video. <laughs> and, and Johnny just, they just said bench. No, it didn't. <laughs> I got a message from Johnny the next day saying like Great video, but why is the text box so big? <laughs> I said, you, well, you could have put an emoji of a lemon. Yeah, yeah. that would have been Looking good. Back. Meta. Very much. So, at that point, been referred for surgery, watched the procedure on YouTube the night before, and started to get the fear. So, I went into the shower and tried to burst it myself. And, and this is where we turned the lemon into a bean, so reshaped the lemon into more of a bean shape. Um, through sheer force through force yeah so did you for that to happen was it an initial like a short sharp like no it was, was it slow yeah <laughs> so you slowly applied the pressure was it in that position it was yeah hands clasped and like interlocked to to, to get more purchase on it it's just and as well that you're not practiced in jujitsu yeah <laughs> be really yeah. good at it so had the surgery are you how? Johnny are you trying I'm to think about different ways that you'd be able to squeeze a ball? I'm thinking how I would do it and then thinking about the amount of pressure. You've interlaced your fingers. Well, because that, I think. So You've interlaced your fingers. You can't do that. I mean, you could really bear down. You can apply, apply yeah. a fair bit of pressure there. I yeah. mean, you, you're self-limited, obviously. Because like, it really hurts. Yeah. Mm. Had this hurt as much as a normal ball? I think slightly, yeah. It, maybe slightly more because there's a lot more pressure around. When you went in, did they say, that's not the shape it was last time? Why is it being? No. Why is it being? <laughs> they, they didn't notice. But... Went in for surgery. If you've ever been for surgery as well, they draw a big like big L or a big R and an arrow pointing to the side that needs operated on. If it's if they do surgery on anything that has two, so kidneys, so legs, whatever. Ball or the wrong yeah. leg or, right. Which does feel silly if you have like a really obvious deformity. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, woke up from the surgery on oxycodone. Very powerful opiate that makes you quite delirious and talking nonsense to the nurses coming to the consultant came up and said okay so you need to avoid sexual activity for at least a few days you're like oh okay great because I, w- I was gonna just go home and, and try it out um, <laughs> but I think that, that that was sarcasm you de- definitely do not want to waking up like in this kind of bloody jock strap and it's it's very painful and, and bleeding so but I, I guess they they have to tell people that because people try um they one of the consultants who installed a colostomy bag on someone which is like a an anus on the front of your abdomen basically like a, a re rerouting your intestine had to advise the patient post-operatively not to have sex through the hole oh and, and, and this is clearly because some patient in the past will have tried and complicated things like I think complicated and really underestimating that <laughs> like if somebody tries to have sex with a small fleshy anus type hole in your, in your side I imagine created by a man with a scalpel is that is it just a little incision they, yeah they just take a bit of bowel and move it up superficially to face and someone's just rooting around in it mm, terrible so that's the story (laughs) (laughs) didn't it there's there's aftermath isn't there Uh, should we save the aftermath for part two yeah maybe because this is already it it can be the chronicles the chronicles of podball podball yeah all we've we've talked about is testicles suffering 
Mm. At the end of the day, the moral of the story is if you have a problem like this, it's only going to get worse until you seek medical help. So seek medical help seek medical with purpose. Help with purpose. Don't try and pop it yourself. See the GP. Don't be embarrassed about it. Um, it's a typical male thing to not do that. Um, I was lucky. It was a lemon ball, but it could be a nasty ball. So, And if it is a nasty ball, that can be fatal. So feel your ball. Go see the GP. And we're back. Oh. <laughs> oh. You know, there's, there's a really wholesome message to that story, which is that men are often afraid to go to the doctor for things out of maybe cult- socio-cultural reasons, but that is proof that you should, shouldn't should be don't, So don't ashamed. squeeze just, your own testicle. Don't try and pop it. Just go and see. Just go and see a professional. GP. And they, Thank you. They'll squeeze it yeah, for you. They, they will squeeze it for you. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that story. It was, it was unbelievable. The rest of that episode, by the way, was total shit. But that 10 minute... Period was. I thought it was great. We we golden. prepared loads of notes. It was it was only bad because of the audio quality and the like tapping and it's because you get flicking. you get immense FOMO when there's a piece of content that's created and it isn't. We, we prepared hard for that though. It's, it's like life fails that was just lost in the ether. Oh. Yeah, all that, all, all the stuff all you prepared, oh. all the stories you all gave, the sto- and they're gone, man, forever. <laughs> they are forever. indeed. But um, <laughs> so thank you, massive thank you to everyone who's tuned in. One hundred episodes. Uh, we are. 16 million listen minutes, several thousand subscribers, all that sort of stuff. Um, and we've got some cool questions, so we're going to do some questions. Do you want to do, you want to do one of yours first, yeah. Johnny? I mean, this is very, um, like, you know, my first question. <laughs> but you know, do you, questions for dummies. No, I don't mean that. Um, do you have any favourite novels? And Well, first, first part of the question. question as well. Are we doing that? Can do, yeah. Chris M. Hunt. Well, I mean, I've just taken the piss out of his question. It's a great question, Chris. Um, do, you have, do you have any favourite novels? And then also, do you see any value in reading for pleasure? Mm. Both, of, both of these things have been discussed with uh, Chris Sparks. I spoke to him about this the other day, Productivity Coach. Uh, because this is episode 100 and I'm starting to back up, that's almost definitely going to be coming after this. So either in the past or the future. Listen, listen out for me talking about <laughs> well, that. Well, everything's either in the past or the future. Yeah, yeah, Apart from now, now, right now, now, and now, now. But now. Not, not that. But now. now. But, <laughs> uh, so 1984, George Orwell. Like, really good, easy read. Uh, a lot of implications that you can, if you're a bit of a self-development sort of buff, that you can take and, uh, and apply to your own life. Uh, the Alchemist, Paolo Coelho. Great novel. Second part. Do you see any value in reading for pleasure? Absolutely, yeah. I think that I've learned... 1984 taught me a lot more um, and a lot of those conclusions have had bigger impact on my life than reading a lot of self-help and productivity books. As Chris Sparks said it, 90% of self-help and productivity books are a 20-page blog post mm. with 190, 180 pages of examples. They've so often got like one idea in them as well, like one meaningful concept and then the rest of it's just fluff which is why like book summary services for those kind of books can be really good but then you don't have the time, time and attention, attention you so. don't have any context well then the, the one thing holds less meaning because it's like if I said to you just, just concentrate when you're working that's deep work isn't yeah, it basically it's the whole thing just when you work it's true what about you novels I know that you're so not massive I don't so I'm starting to do it more I don't do it very much I used to read quite a bit for pleasure when I was younger um I read like the Harry Potter books. I read like the Philip Pullman stuff. They were good. Um, yeah. Been um, bought by Amazon. 
his Dark Materials trilogy. Really? Uh, or, sorry, Netflix. Bringing out the full thing. I'm wow. looking forward to that. Definitely. Amazing, man. Yeah. Because they absolutely butchered Northern Lights. It, the, the, there was an old film of Northern Lights and it was, yeah, yeah. horrendous. Um, you, man? So, Albert Camus, The Stranger, written by someone whose mum was deaf and he was brought up in a, in a kind of like really weird, like silent environment. And you can, you can feel that in his writing. Um, 1984, very good. Brave New World. And what was the other one? I've forgotten the other one. Deep Work by Cal Newport. Deep Work by Cal Newport. The, um, I, I think I watch films more than books. Uh, okay. Needful Things by Stephen King. Why did you, why, why I said films? So, sorry to interrupt. No, no that's okay. Just because. Um, it was one of the best books that I've read, but the film is one of the worst films that I've seen. Interesting. And so I think they just... Because there was a lot of subtext in the book, and then they managed to just... Wreck it. Yeah. Mm. What a shame. I Fight Club. Great book, great film. Apparently the Big Short book, I've just heard this, right. is fantastic. Really? Mm, yeah. That's okay. the sort of thing that... I love stuff. Yeah, that really was a yeah, great really get, film. really get into Ooh. it. But going to the cinema, so like people read for pleasure often to like, you know, move into another world. I go to the cinema for two hours, mm. transported. Kind of. Can't look at your phone. You have to sit and watch who, it. I spoke to someone the other day who went on a... Oh, it was Mike did a 4D cinema experience. They've got, yeah, I've They've got a few of those now. Weird. Like they spray you with water. And yeah, they're like, and they're like, like the seat vibrates. And Awful. I don't like... I just like to be left alone. <laughs> to just enjoy it with bag a bag of fruit pastels. And he said he was soaked by the end of it. Yeah. Was he? Smelly water as well. I want so. to see the equaliser <laughs> too. Denzel Washington. Denzel. Denzel. Good guy. Right. Um... Sean J, what is a life hack you couldn't go without since introducing it? So we need to pick one that you've heard or you've brought up on a life hacks, and you haven't you haven't sort of stopped since you've uh, done that one. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? Mine is split between physical and digital. No, what are what, what, what you going to say? What do you think you'll say? Alfred. Oh God! Yeah, well, you're not going to say that, Alfred, but, but that actually tops it. If I had to pick what I was going to say in Alfred, <laughs> I'd have to pick Alfred. So if I just out life hacked your own yeah. life hack, what was your original one? Shut the offer. Oh, the bum Bless spray. Me. Bless yeah, me. I I try not to poo when I'm not at home now because it's it just. Do you hold me. it in? Well, you, sh- you shouldn't, but it makes the experience so much better. <laughs> what do you mean you shouldn't? You shouldn't hold in poo longer than you should, longer than you have to. But no one ever holds in poo longer than they have to. I think they do because otherwise you would just. Poo but it's not longer than they have to. Longer than they would like to, but mm. oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> what if you really like feeling full? <laughs> there, I bet there are people that like feeling. If you're really full. hungry and you like to see, like, well, like a poo, it'll be worse. What about you, man? What are you thinking? I don't know. What about a couple? Any come to mind? I tell you what's interesting, Sean. Great, quite a good question. One of the things that we find is that the little cycles that we go through uh, is like a natural evolution of life hacks and mm-hmm. over time some will remain and many will be discarded so a lot of them I almost need to go back and caveat like yeah. 101 and 102 and 103 yeah, I no longer do Romwad uh, it's not good for mm-hmm. my spine given my current spine health I did a whoop band review that now I'm not doing that and now I'm considering getting the three like, mm. so oh, I've really? been in, gone yeah, out, and then come back you, again. You, you yeah. get the flip side as well, where there's some that are so standard in your life now that you forget that they're even... Automatic in- car, so, cruise so control. Probably the um, the life hack then, like the master hack, 
is to just be constantly iterating and experimenting. Mm, yeah, you're right. Because like all of us, the, the reason for life hacks is like, we're all trying something new mm-hmm. every time we speak. Every Even aspect of your life, you're like, how can this You're, you're like changing something, yeah. So AirPods are probably... They're up there, yeah. Fairly ubiquitous in my life. Yeah. Um, like things like Wi-Fi scales and, you know, like stuff we've mentioned that yep. I don't... It's just part of my day. That's the thing. It's when it's, the ones that, uh, what is a life hack you couldn't go without since introducing it? It's the ones that integrate the most seamlessly with your life. That's yeah. why you like Alfred. That's why I, we, me and you like AirPods. Um, for me, the best one, the one that has given me the highest return, single highest return from one life hack, sleeping with my phone outside of my room. Mm-hmm. If you put your phone outside of your room when you, before you go to bed, or if you have a bedroom ban on your phone, mm-hmm. it is, the downstream from that, it's the same as getting a dog. Happiness walks, fresh air. Sorted. Like yeah. downstream, all the implications are great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, phone outside of the room. Johnny, still don't do that. I mean, need to oh, man, get an alarm clock and yeah. do it. So this is just based on um, recently the Byron Katie book, the Byron Katie process. I think that was a life hack. Really? Yeah. Just like lately, been using it for. I think if you're able. I'm not I'm not so convinced now that it's like having this deep sort of like rewiring effect but it just allows you to take something that like when you yeah, wake like, up in the morning you're like really pissed off about it and you just reframe it see it differently and use it to your advantage the process which works for you exactly and I think if you can take a bad thing and you're like well I'm just going to do this about it then it's a great thing it, to have it's also great because if it eliminates boredom forever like if you're sat in a room you on your own for 10 hours you can be like Byron Kate everything yeah Byron Kate the fact and that by the end of the 10 hours you just feel amazing yeah Casper it's my it's our go Chris excuse me <laughs> excuse me <laughs> sorry go on then. unbelievable sorry Emma Hames PT um who I think wanted a date with you actually I probably shouldn't have said that but that's your answer, Chris. I I have have Would you rather um, have to tell everyone around you that you need to fart or pee your pants? And then she submitted in a second question, ellipsis, every day. So so would you rather have to tell everyone around you that you need to fart? So every time just, you fart, you're like, I've got to fart. Or just every time you pee, you pee your pants. It's a fart. got to be the fart one. Like, or else you're just pissing your pants all the time. Mm. Yeah. It's t- it's that there's not it's no asymm- there's a big asymmetry. It's cut and dry there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I suppose it depends on if you need to fart. It's like every time you even get the hint of a feeling, you have to fart. I don't have the hint of a fart much. Like mine, are, they just fall out. I don't yeah. get false alarms. <laughs> I don't have false alarms at all. You must have situations in your life where you think I shouldn't fart here. Well, the only you time must. that I think I shouldn't fart is when I think I might shart. But you must be in the, the social setting where you're like, like, I shouldn't fart. You know, you've heard me space. fart. I know. Lots. But you know what? We've been in long car journeys with you and you've been very considerate. <laughs> you've been very good. But that's because of the seating position. So it's not... So it, the unkinked It's not, it's not, not out of courtesy. No, not at all. Uh, okay. Casper Sorensen. How much do Johnny and Yusuf really bench? I love that he's got Sorin in his name. It's kind of. The Sorin. sum of the letters of Sorin. Sorin. Sort of, sort of, sort of. What's, you, what's your all-time PB not comp? 162.5. Was it in a comp? No, you said not comp. Yeah, was it in a comp? No. no. So just no. in the gym? Yeah. Peaking? Yeah. Peaking. This was before, this was in the build-up prior to me going, right, I'm some powerlifting. <laughs> you got 172 in Gold Star. It was very... No, it wasn't, it wasn't in Gold Star. It was in David Lloyd, and we could not have called it a bench press. Okay. So like dodgy plates... 
like bench height was questionable and it was like crashing onto my sternum. So because it wasn't IPF legal, Johnny's not counting it, but I, I would say... Purity, man. You, got love, you still love the sport. I think you have to. It's like, if, well, I mean, there's infinite examples. Have you seen like, My Side versus the World? Yes. Yeah. Thoughts? Love just Louis Simmons, man. Cool guy. You know, yeah. Louis Simmons has never done a podcast. Yeah. And I'm trying... Is he not on Rogan? I think he's on Rogan. Is he? Yeah. Uh, so but I think he's pretty hard to get a hold of. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to get... Brian Carroll at the, at the start of the West Side versus the world it says like this was not Louis's idea and then they just get he, I've seen him you know the barbell shrug guys I've seen him take the barbell shrug guy who's like I'm struggling with my clean and Louis's just like bands so he gets the barbell shrug guy to do a banded power clean and like obviously you get you do the pull and it just crashes down he's like move faster move faster and he just gets the guy to do banded power cleans yeah, and improves his clean. Oh, wow. Louis Simmons is, is the boy. Uh, Seth, best, best bench press? 150. What that was it? in Pinnacle. In, yeah. yeah. Was it? Yeah. Well, when we went in and ruined yeah, everyone's yeah. day. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there was a leaderboard and we just, yeah, just turned up. And Took like... everything in all, all genders, mm. all weight categories. Yeah. Identified as everything. When How much do you bench? Someone asked us that recently. Who asked us that? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, someone my old time My old time PB's 140, but I don't train bench. That'll be... Yeah, close, close grip. Close yeah. grip, pause. Close grip, flat back, feet on the bench. All of those things. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, not Tempo. Yeah. For eight reps. E-mom. Because like, he never went below eight. <laughs> <laughs> you got one? Um, God, this... But Jetto Moon has, has hammered the questions. I've got a lot of them as well. Thank you, Jetto Moon. Jetto Moon. What's something you think every person should experience in their lifetime? Uh, hot potato be on a podcast be on a podcast I think that that's a really good answer I think that at some point in your life especially now a lot of distraction a lot of time spent double screaming triple screaming watching TV being distracted not having deep conversations Mm. it is like doing these podcasts and having these discussions with whoever it is now even people I got not that much like Brian Carroll is a 300 and something pound powerlifter from Florida. Um, and the only thing I have in common is we've both been seen by the same back specialist. Mm. And an hour and a half talking to him just flew by. and I loved it. And he, I'm going to go see him and I'm going to go and chill with him. And you're like, the opportunity... I can't believe you're going to go and chill with Brian Carroll. It's ridiculous. I've got Dave Tate on in a couple of weeks. He will be an interesting guy. I've got to wait for you to get questions from him. Yeah. Um, Andrew Doyle. Sat down with Andrew Doyle this Sunday. Went out for him in Edinburgh last night after his show at the Fringe. Had had drinks with him. Like, is he on the podcast? He's on the podcast, indeed. Yeah. Um. So. So be on a podcast. Be on a podcast. Just have the opportunity, or if not, sit down with someone for one hour, both phones outside of the room, and have a discussion about something that you think will interest you. So, like, fake a podcast. I just think having deep conversations with people. You both leave. Everyone that's a part of them leaves the room better than when you went in. So that's mine because yeah, like it, I, you can you can do a podcast about whatever you're interested in and just put it on iTunes like there's the costs minimal isn't it as, as we well it's there. Great, isn't it yeah <laughs> you think I'm a fucking prick <laughs> you tell that story we'll have to tell that story yeah, in will. full at some point uh-huh. not on this one we'll do it when it's I long, know but when, yeah right what about don't you don't ever Seth? say to Yusuf that you can't do a podcast because cost is the reason especially <sighs> when you are part of a radio station. And the content is made and it's been edited <laughs> and mastered and you're just thinking of a way to repurpose it. <laughs> right. What's, my, your, what's something that everyone should experience? 
a Widowmaker experience. So that doesn't have to be a Widowmaker, which is... so Seriously? Yeah. This is exactly what I was going to say. The squat, squat Widowmaker? Well, so the, it, it's one option. This is exactly what I was going to say. Really? Brethren. Unbelievable. So... <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, so the, a Widowmaker is a set of squats with your 10 rep max and you do 20. And obviously, by definition, you think, well, that's not possible, but it is possible. <laughs> it just takes 10 minutes to do. Yeah. Um, so you have the bar on your back. You do 10. You, you're done. You keep the bar on your back. You take five to 10 deep breaths. You go again. Five to 10 deep breaths. You go again until you hit 20. You start to go deaf. You have ringing in your ears. Taste blood. You, yeah, like everything just shuts out and like all your cares drop away and you, the whole being is just like, I hate this. Um, other ways to experience it, 10 minute ice bath, high dose psychedelics if that's what you're into. 2K max row. 2K max row. Yeah. A 10 day meditation retreat, like anything that... They're just... all quite different versions of that. I think the Widowmaker is very like... It's the shortest way to do it. You can't get away from it. Yeah, 2K max, 2K max row. Max, yeah. effort, max effort 2K row, definitely. The guys at um, Jim Jones, the guys who train all the 300 actors, they call the, the 2K row like the the test. A horrible distance. Because of where you end up. Seven minutes. Well, do, do we know the story about the selfie? Your one. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it was that first 2K row. Yeah. 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 Uh, Johnny, what's yours? Other than not, I mean, that, that, that was going to be it. Like, So I think... Um, the thing that a lot of people don't experience, I think everyone should, is experiencing a high end or the end of your physical capability mm-hmm. or experience the line where your mind is like shouting at you to stop. Mm-hmm. I um, think as well, what you've identified with the Widowmaker is that because of the way the programming's done, like we've always said this about powerlifting, if you can't lift the weight, you can't lift the weight. It doesn't mm-hmm. go up. There's no yeah. struggle. Yeah. Whereas if you've ever been, if you ever watch one of those videos where boxers run out of gas and then they kind of collapse to the floor. It's like, how fucked do you have to be to not be able to throw another punch? Yeah. It's it's the weight of your arm, not even going against gravity. Death by a thousand cuts. Just extending your arm out. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's the thing I've always admired. Like I always admire, I've always admired elite athletes. I've always admired like special forces and it's not physical prowess. It's, it's like being able to, the ability to just tolerate. Is it Goggins that was, like no, running on it. It's David Goggins. Yeah. No, it's not. It is David Goggins. The one who... Chris broke, fuck <laughs> Who broke his feet and was still Kept running. running. Yeah. 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 Just, like, frightening people, terrifying people who were able to do that. Oh, wow. This is a fucking belter of a question. Paul Ogan, uh, if you were to give your student self, we'll call this first student, like, fresher, 18. If you were to give your student self a life hack, what would it be? Hmm... Fuck. When I think about how different my life setup is now to when I was 18, jeez. Mm. Because when I was 18, phones weren't a problem, so I wouldn't need to yeah, do any I phone know, reduction stuff. Um, different thing, isn't it? Pomodoros would be good for me being a student, but probably... I don't really care about that. I think you've got to assume like you came out with your degree, so that's going to happen anyway, unless your life hack makes that harder. Yeah, five by five would be probably something that I wish I'd known. Like, <laughs> I love that. Of all the things, it's like, I just should have done more days where I just did five by five. You're not wrong. Like, you, you, <laughs> or five, three, one. Mo- yeah, so five, I think like, sitting down and explaining to my 18-year-old self, just like nutrition and training. We did like, so many stupid diet like, and nutrition. Well, so I suppose training. that alone would have saved me 
out hundreds of hours probably of my degree and uh, pounds of, of wasted money on like surge workout fuel, yeah. the Anaconda protocol, Indigo 3G. Oh, There's a level playing field. Everyone's on Indigo 3G. Uh, it is a game changer. What about you, Seth? One thing to Evernote, and then you wouldn't have lost your journal of like a decade. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> so I I wrote a journal for a daily journal for a decade, and then one day my Microsoft Word file corrupted. It's and then what and you I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that's the end of my journaling then. And I just thought, well, there's no point in continuing. Like I just it's really didn't you say it was like the most autistic. Um, like, oh, yeah. Uh, identification of the day. Yeah, it was like, um, went here, met this person, ate fish. <laughs> next oh, my God. Just... So it wouldn't have been interesting. Well, it probably would. Anyway. It, it, when you scroll back over, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, the, the most mu- there's so many mundane days in your life that just Just the minutia. Disappear. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Johnny? Oh, would it, sorry. Would it <laughs> even be Evernote? Uh, Evernote was good. Deep work, a deep work habit, if the, the book existed... Um, five three one, very similar, like a mm-hmm. rep scheme. But I think for me, it would be just raising my standards because I, in my first degree, thought that I was like some big hotshot, like doing really well. But looking back, like it was a degree that, like, if you didn't get a first in it, you're a dick. So, um, and then the second one made me realize like how much slack there was in the system, and actually, what I could have done is done two two degrees at the same time like one independent one one private one um, university one or like learned another language read loads of books like started up another business like something that mm-hmm. so yeah Johnny I think uh, either it sort of incentivizing myself to like go down the path of um, seeking alternative education earlier so I think like I stumbled into like is the trade at 18 well, yeah, I mean stuff like that. Like you know, the stuff that you you start the, into the, like, the self development world and read books and listen to different people and get different views that are different from your friends and different from what your parents are taught you and different from school. And I think the earlier you get that, the better your life decisions are. But I don't know. I don't think it's not a life hack necessarily. But I think like just start learning from places that aren't you. Got you. That would have been what I would mm. tell myself. You got one, Johnny. Got a good one. Um. What personality trait has gotten you the, in the most trouble? Trouble? Mm. Out of the big five? Probably, neuro- <laughs> probably neuroticism or industriousness. It's got a bunch of left over her press. <laughs> neuroticism. Well, snatch. Neuroticism or... So this has caused the most problems for me is somewhere between neuroticism and industriousness. Just that I, I, can't, I can't bear not to be working and doing things. Like, and it's getting, I'm controlling it better, but the industriousness is getting worse. I'm able to now operate with less rest, right? like less downtime. I'm able to do, like previously it might be a five-day week, but now I can probably get away with maybe a seven-day week before I need to take an afternoon. And then, you know, over time that'll become like a 10-day week before mm. I need to take an afternoon. Um, so the problem with that is that back in the day, my neuroticism caused me to, shortcut success as the indicator for my success and just allowed I, I was forced to use the suffering associated with the task <laughs> to, as my indicator of I've done good so if I worked a club night and went home and was fucked I would think yeah you've worked hard 
irrelevant of uh, regardless of the uh, uh, of the success of the event. Whereas um, I could go and have a, a one where I the event performed really well, but if I hadn't suffered, I was like, oh, you right. fucking lazy bastard. So it has to be hard to be, to feel like you're moving in the right direction. Even if it's not successful. And then if it's not, so you need to, you need to succeed on two different pathways, mm. one of which is not associated with success at all. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, that's kind of the one that's got me in the most trouble. It's also got me in the most trouble with friends, girlfriends, all that sort of stuff. Why are you working again this evening? Why are you mm. doing this? It means that you don't have, a rare person who wants to work as much as we do and it's fortunate that we are around each other mm. like fucking Dean's the same Jordan George you know a lot of people that we sort of come across I wonder how much of the fact that we're friends is just as desperately not feeling quite as weird feel normal yeah what about you Seth uh, that, that's a, it was a very good answer Sim- similar um, for me it's my overhead press like it's always been slow to progress and mm. um, mine's still stuck where it's always been oh, it's annoying um, agreeableness as well I mean, it's, yeah, the, it's that, the origin uh, of the, the the problem that I the perpetual problem too agreeable. I think so. In like, but neuroticism as well. Like, out of the, I think yours has got to be a, the scurvy problem. Well, yeah, which, which comes about from um, agreeableness and is it agreeableness? Is it not save money, not rock the boat? So that what, Those so, are the, so, so not not rock, the, not, not rock the boat is agreeableness. I suppose, yeah, yeah. and then save money. Neuroticism. I'm I'm less bothered about saving money these days. Right, you are getting better. Not because I'm not. not if you see value money. and stuff, you, you just buy it, don't you? Yeah, I yeah. just like it, it's your threshold that, for seeing value. Is but that is also both of your influence. We pull you out with it. Yeah. What about you, Johnny? Because this is an interesting um, one for you. The probably the biggest one for me is boundaries, and what I mean by that is, um, I will. So similar to you, I suppose, like. I would love to be able to shut my laptop at four o'clock and go train and forget about work for the rest of the day. But no matter how many times I tell myself to do that, I can't. So I need, I need to force boundaries on myself, but that also leads to me being like, I'm late for stuff or I'll procrastinate with things sometimes and do them right at the last minute. I was really bad with that at uni. Like I would do all my projects right at the last minute. That's why like the developer of Frozen Turkey, like it's got into our yeah. heads and knows that. I think everyone does it. Like I, everyone procrastinates on something. <clears throat> it's just that I partly, I suppose I hold myself to a, a really high standard with everything, which is stupid. Um, and I don't allow myself any like leeway for just being a human being. Yeah. So, something that I think you're very good at. And like, I know Sam Evans talks about like rewiring your brain to like look for the most difficult thing of the day and just like, yeah. hone in on it is let's say you've got like 10 minutes before you have to go out. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, it's not quite long enough to do like a live video or whatever. Whereas you'll be like, I'll just do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. That poly- that executor versus strategist thing's a, a big deal, like which I'm, I, I haven't completed. Right, I got... Um, sorry, sorry. I, I'm really good with executing that, but mm-hmm. like put a load of washing in. I'll procrastinate <laughs> on that. Yeah. It's weird. Like uh, it's because there's no reward attached to it, right? Like... <laughs> Like if it's like it's oh, Johnny solved this really complex problem, fucking bring it on, like, and I'll sit and do it for three hours. Johnny did the dishes. But if it's like Johnny did like unloaded the dishwasher. Uh, why don't we do a couple of a couple of quick fire ones and then we got a really really good okay. meaty oh, meaty yes. one. Uh, what are Johnny's most and least favorite CrossFit movements except squats and deadlifts? Uh, least favorite is running and burpees. Okay. <laughs> so okay, so the way it's separated is if I have to move something <laughs> while being stationary, really enjoy it. If I have to move myself, I don't enjoy it typically. So like pull-ups, I find hard. Toaster bar, hard. 
burpees hard, running extremely hard. Running should just be removed from CrossFit entirely. If it's like rowing, uh, echo bike, anything with a barbell, anything with a dumbbell, bring it on. I'm going to laugh. Mm-hmm. What about uh, dumbbell box stepovers? Have you done those yet? Box stepovers? Yeah. No. So two twenty-two and a halfs in either, in either hand, just step over the box. Don't need to step up at the top, just get over it. It oh. is the most glutey thing you've ever done. In your De- life, devil press is pretty bad. Devil press is ugly. No, you can do it. However, okay. do it however. most people go straight on, then twist and turn. I think, like mm-hmm. actually thrust as a hate. Anything front rack, front rack. Dumbbell press. They're so lactate inducing on yeah. there. Uh, another quick one. Fitness aims for twenty twenty. RX the open. RX the open. Yeah, that's a fucking great aim. You know, like just as something, I want to be able to get all of the fundamental movements, mm. and I want to, I want to, you know, place. I I heard. See, you remember I went to see Anne Middleton. Mm-hmm. So he spoke about, um, like, you have a, a flame inside you, which is like your, like, enthusiasm for things. And he's like, everybody gets to a point in their life where the flame starts to, this is a really long-winded thing, flame starts to flicker out and die. And he's like, what you've got to do at that point is reignite the flame. And the, as he said that, Becca looked at me and went, that's what you're doing, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, I've never thought about it before, but, like, at that time, I'd just signed up. as I'd just done six months of CrossFit. And I could feel the flame flickering with Ever. like fitness in general, like nutrition, couldn't give a shit, training, boring, mobility, don't care. Whereas now like it switched and suddenly like, I love training again. And like, it doesn't matter that it... What did you think of two years ago? I told myself that. So I think, the, I think the, I really want to do like a long content piece on this because I think people, two things are annoying. One is I don't think CrossFit is what everyone wants it to be. I think it's a sport. I think it's a great way of expressing, like honing your fitness into something. But I think there are other attributes that you should be focusing on as well and other ways of training that are sensible that ideally feed into CrossFit. But also people who just relentlessly criticize things in the fitness industry, having never tried them. Like we see it all the time, like keto shit. Like have you ever tried keto? Like how long have you done keto for? Oh, you never tried, how how convenient. Uh, (laughs) uh, Paleo shite, how long have you done paleo for? Like we... We've done. We have thrown us like we lay on the train tracks and like, is the train going to kill me? I don't know. We'll find out. Like, because I, I just people like lay in the CrossFit and we used to do it. And then I was like, well, we can't keep doing this. And because you tried like, one class, I've done two two classes, both vomit inducing. <laughs> people really, in the gym like, still remember that. You know? yeah, oh, really? Do. Tim 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 Briggs still talks about it to this oh, day. No. But that's perpetuated that, by that's the fact that you're always on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fitness aims for twenty twenty. Three flares on the floor. So flares, it's when you're in trouble on at sea and you have to, um, you will have seen people do it on the pommel horse where legs are wide, movement, yeah, like that. Yeah, advanced. It's so hard. Because you've got one, I've seen you do one. I've I've just nailed two on the floor. Well, not nailed. Is the third going to be really difficult to get? Yeah, like I just fought, because what I'm doing with the two is like I'm basically like just coasting on the momentum from just winging myself round, but it's, it's bad form, so. So what do you have to do? To do that, like, how do you, do you just do more? Because if you can only do two flares, right? You need, to, you need be to be able to, to yeah. you can't train flares. Both legs, like, up, sort of, alongside you, your face. Mm. Sorry, what I mean is, like, and how do you train for that? So, I got a mushroom from eBay, which I've been doing, but it forces you into bad habits, because obviously... You're more above, lazy. Yeah, because you, your legs can go below the floor. Mm. So, actually, um, you learn it, you almost ingrain a, a wrong technique. You ingrain one that's good for pommel horse, but not for floor. So now I'm forcing on getting more lift and just like, try. you, you do have to be 
able to get into like a really comfortable pancake, like active as well. So yeah, abs, yeah. Like, yeah, abs, hip flex, just being able to like to do that, and then I, tricep shoulders as well. Yeah, this is why this is why gymnasts are motherfuckers. They're they're so impressive. I we went I went to a handstand workshop with James Bailey and a guy called Yuval Avalon, who is a ex Israeli uh, Olympic gymnast and is now like a handstand. He's a monster, like um, just (laughs) special forces. Special forces. He's like fifty years old. He's in incredible shape, and he. Someone asked him like, "How do I do elephant lift?" Which is you know is like when your legs are wide on the floor and you put your hands on the floor and you lift into a handstand. Yeah. And he did it, like a beautiful one. And then he was like, it's not about strength. Look at this. And he did one, but on the floor. So he, he sat down, had his ha- had his feet out in front of him, like 90 degrees, leaned forward and then slid his feet all the way around. So he was just lying on his front mm-hmm. and then brought his feet back around again. So he sat up again. Yeah. So he was like, my hips have just got the full... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so fully gyroscopic hips. Yeah, so he's like, well, if you can do that, then you're not actually lifting. You're just putting your hands on the floor and you're already flat. Yeah. All you have to do is just lift your legs up. Got you. Uh, so mine, I just need to be able to train again, man. Like, I know it's... So is that the... Is that, that the... Like, that's what you're moving towards? My fitness aim for the end of 2020 would be able to do uh, RX all of the CrossFit movements at 40 kilos if there's weight on it, uh, pain-free and without fear. Um, mm-hmm. so currently I, I'm not lifting. I, I don't do anything. Like I just do my rehab and it's a fucking destitute place to be as someone who's used to training. But these are the sacrifices that I need to make. And people like Brian Carroll split his fucking sacrum in half front to back mm-hmm. and went back and he's now going to try and squat a thousand two hundred pounds at 275, which would be the first man on the planet that's ever done it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, stop fucking complaining mm-hmm. your problem is not as bad as you think it is you're still able to do some things it's a good attitude suck it up and crack on I'm consistently impressed with your boredom tolerance for the big three or for doing any rehab movements like you'll go into the gym and just do rehab but that would drive me mental it's actually because I'm very selfish it's because I want to train I want to train so badly that I'm prepared to do something, something. super boring to yeah. be able to train again so it's just a long, like a, I'm almost surprised at myself for that long termist mentality or, like the powerlifting world is probably the biggest example of people who like Lane Norton dinged his back like three times I think right before meet and there's videos of him like he just keeps saying brick brick by brick brick by brick so he like works up he's like th- does 300 for a double back goes again is that right back to doing like bird dogs and, oh. and he just the whole he, building it like goblet keeps squats but he just keeps going you knew it for years. Indomitable, man. Um, recommendations for the best wearable fitness tech. So you have gone back to wearing Uh-oh. a whoop band. You've gone back to wearing a whoop band. Why? Whoop. Um, quick, quick one. Why? Uh, mainly because uh, when you're doing powerlifting, the only thing that's relevant for it really is HRV. So the strain, the strain's mainly, mainly a cardio measure, um, like your heart rate zones and other things. So I just it's just interest, really. Plus the new whoop band. Have you ordered a new strap? Yeah. Is it arriving soon? Yeah. I'd be interested. Well, no, so I've ordered the Whoop 3. Oh, yeah. okay, because that's about so they the So they sent me a thing saying, if you just resubscribe, we'll send you a Whoop 3 for Amazing. free. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. I like free things. Uh, do you have any wearable mm-hmm. fitness stuff? Oh, Withings. The Withings. Oh, yeah, the Withings. So so Chris kindly gave me a, a Withings watch, which is good. just tracks... It's very... It's like first gen, so it just tracks heart rate. It's so thin and... I know you can't, you can't even, even see it. It's, it's almost like, like getting good enough. Um, I, I want to get I want to try an aura ring George said he would lend me his to see whether I'd like it and I might buy one I use a Muse headband for meditation just soul um, which is what just soul man 
Did you? Oh, okay. So, I mean, that it's very good for a certain style of meditation. They claim that the new gen accounts for more like heart oriented yeah, meditation. Yeah, the new one's and, got like heart mind stuff. Heart uh, okay. Yeah. So you can do different styles. Mm. It does. It certainly does correlate. It's a wearable EEG that you could, it correlates with the level of concentration that you have. Um, and what was the other one? There's a heart math institute device. I think you wear it around your chest. Yeah. That I'm interested in buying. It's two hundred dollars. But I need Art to, math, if you're listening, just send this one out. We'll do a review. That, oh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> um, but I need to justify that to myself by using the Muse more consistently. More, yeah, I think like even just Fitbit. Just I think I think there's no there's no downside of just having something. Mm-hmm. I need what I need is something as comfortable as a Whoop, which gives me the same readout as a Whoop, but has the time. Yeah, I just need to have the time on it. Because if I had something that had the it's it's displayless. If I if I had something that had the time on, I wouldn't need to get my phone out to check the time. Then you're looking for yeah. So so uh, you're thinking to get the new Whoop though. I'm going to try the three because I did like the readout on that, and I've noticed that I'm not taking as much care about my sleep because Mm. I sleep with my phone out of the room, which means that I can't use Sleep Cycle, Mm. um, and also I can't track what sort of quality my sleep is through sleep ranges. The biggest thing for me is just wearing it more like a watch position. So I was obsessed with, you know, they recommend like wearing it up here. Higher up, yeah. Like I was obsessed with that and it was making it fit weird for me. The so new just, one, the new one with the new strap will be better. Be uh, very quick one. At what point do you draw the line when it comes to the trade-off between personal data and personalized slash tracking services, e.g. wearable tech? I just think as soon as, as soon as it takes up more than a couple of minutes of your day, just fuck it off. Like if... I think what that question's asking, I think, is like... Privacy. Yeah. Oh, like giving your stuff away. I think. Oh shit! Yes, of course it is. Yeah. Sorry, Alfie. I'm fucking my hands up my ass. Yes, I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't give a fuck. Uh, however, twenty three and Me and uh, Ancestry and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, apparently, there's some people some that, dodgy shit about that. Isn't there's it? some people that are getting convicted for crimes <laughs> that they've really? committed because they're able to find the genetic profile through that, which is like God. that's scary shit. Right, we got a good one here, Mister Sandshrew. I ask this already with my own answer, but interested to hear your threes living 20 plus years under the idea that we aren't admired for the depths of our perception. In reference to Chris's favourite writings, Alain de Botton on the high degree of loneliness and its inexorable part of being a sensitive, intelligent human. Do you feel the greater your investment and depth of progress in modern wisdom and correlating practice, the more compounded the sense of loneliness? For want of a better word, follow up, Do does ignorance... Oh, do you think ignorance really would be bliss? Does he mean ignorance from the... Well, obviously you don't know. But, like, is it ignorance from the perspective of the root of self-improvement? So the question, or, the main question here is, do you feel the greater your investment and depth of progress in modern wisdom and mm-hmm. correlating practice, the more compounded the sense of loneliness? In, well, I mean, I suppose in the in the most basic sense, like, there are fewer and fewer people who have you relatable experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good question yeah, I understand is. what you're asking so the the Alan de Botton video from the School of Life which is why we're fated to be lonely basically says that um, people who have uh, subtle contrary or alarming points of view are less likely to be accepted by society at large because of the mimetic nature of us as beings and the fact that we're tribal and we want to be accepted given the choice between honesty and acceptability most of us will compromise our honesty in order to be accepted by people that we're around uh, and the like, long and short of that is that a lot of people compromise who they are so that they can be around people that aren't like them, but just so they're around people. 
And like, I, I did that for a very long time. The bottom line is, and it's the thing that we continue to come back to with everybody that I speak to, absolutely everyone, from Andrew Doyle, the guy that created Titania McGrath, uh, Sam Harris wrote an entire book on it, Jordan Peterson, it's one of his number one rules, tell the truth. And if you're telling the truth, you can't, you, it, it does, you have to follow whatever that particular calling is. You have to do the thing which calls to you. Mm. Um, and for me personally, the more tools that I've got in my toolbox, the better I've been at actually being effective because my sense of solitude, not loneliness, the time that I spend on my own, I love. Like there are fewer and fewer people that I can really, really genuinely connect with about everything that I do, but there are more people that I can connect with about some things that I do. Yeah. There's more arms to what I can talk about. I can now go talk about back health. I can genuinely have an hours long conversation about back health. I couldn't have done that before I started learning things. I think you, um, it's the same as like a business serving a niche, right? Like if you try and serve everyone, you end up serving no one. I think you, the people you end up meeting as a result of just going down the route of modern wisdom and the, the conversations you end up having. Like if you put us three in a bar for an evening, you're like, you've got to sit in the bar and just talk about whatever you want. Like how much of that time would we spend talking about like surface level, pointless conversation? Like it would all be Good like shit. some really deep, like the, the other people are walking, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, but we end, you end up talking about like the finest details of something that we're already interested in that other people may think is weird, but we're all having the best conversation ever mm-hmm. because it's something we're all interested in. So you, you either have like, talk about like match of the day or something that you really, really d- deeply passionate about. Mm-hmm. What so, about you, Seth? What do you think? It's, yeah, you, it's something you have to make a choice about whether you are just hanging around with people for the sake of being with people. And if you're compromising on who you are for that, I think you need to really ask yourself the question of maybe it's better to actually withdraw and, um, you know, pursue what you, what you love and, and the think about embed yourself in the thoughts and, um, pursuits that you enjoy. And then you will find people that resonate. Like we're in an age where you can find people like that so Mm. easily now. Um, if, if you are someone that is feeling lonely and that's something you're aware of, I think personally, I've not felt loneliness for a long time because I think my life is very much the opposite. Like I'm just getting pounded wherever I, wherever I go, like turn up at work and you just like, your phone is just going mental and your is in demand and then you come, you come home and you, you know, your messages and your phone and everything's like, so I think for me, I also very much value just alone time because it's like, oh. <laughs> so I love um, Cal Newport's definition of solitude, which is uh, time away from the input of other people's thoughts. Yeah. And there's a difference between being on your own and solitude mm-hmm. because you can have all of these things with with and without loneliness, but most people don't actually have solitude. They have their, f- their phone with them while they're on their own mm. or they're on their own, but with the TV on or with the radio on or whatever it is. <clears throat> that's not necessarily solitude. Solitude would be you with no other stimulus other than you on output journaling mm. or And writing. if you're always trying to escape that um, loneliness by like having something on in the background or whatever, then I suppose that's where you've got to ask yourself the question of, um, <coughs> do I need to sit and think about, hang on, what, what can I, what am I not engaging with or what I, what should I be engaging with mentally that is, that I'm avoiding. Mm. Um, the follow-up of Would Ignorance Be Bliss, Jordan Peterson said this at his live show. Um, long story short, 
he says that the thing which poisons you, you need to take enough of for it to be a toxin, uh, to turn a, a toxin into a tonic. Um, and he says that the progression through these particular issues is not a regression. It's more, it's take more of what it is that you think that poisons you until it becomes a tonic that fixes you. Mm. Um, so anyone who knows the um, allegory of the cave, Plato's allegory of the cave, it's that exact story. So just go listen to Plato's allegory of the cave and you'll understand exactly what I mean. But I don't think ignorance is bliss. Like some people coast through life, but it is both a blessing and a curse to feel everything so very deeply. Like, and what? Like, fuck me. I would much sooner be able to appreciate the beauty of everything with real fidelity and then have to suffer a little bit because you don't really live your life on the couch, just chilled out fucking within the, the tightest interquartile range of human experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd much sooner die and have highs and lows than have just constantly lived in a bit of comfort. The big, I think the biggest example of this for me was leaving um, corporate life, like leaving mm-hmm. nine to five life and being entrepreneur thrown into the fucking ether yeah because that it like it's quite a lonely experience you know, at times especially if like you sat by yourself and something bad happens on your computer screen and it like sends you into this emotional and like you're just there on your own you've just got to sit with that experience whereas like as an employee i would the analogy i would say is like as an entrepreneur you're like in a dinghy on the on the top of the, the sea while there's a storm happening if you're an employee you're like on the riverbed and someone goes, do you know there's a storm up there? Fucking hell. Yeah. Sorry, someone's on it. Someone's sorting it. Whereas you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like <laughs> trying to like, fix the hole in the boat. Yeah. Like, on the phone, you suck like, it's a really fucking great analogy. Yeah. So like, you know, and then, then you're like, well, you have moments where you're like, it would be easier to just, so that when I think ignorance is bliss, for me, the thing I think of is, well, you could just go sit in an office and like, chat to people about like, mm-hmm. Love Island and, yeah, that's obviously I'm very generalizing, but like versus sat by yourself looking at a computer screen, fucking terrified with, with, with about a spoon trying to yeah, yeah. yeah. trying life to block is, your tap. Life isn't lived from the comfort of your couch, man. Um, I got I'm one. Yeah, very me. very keen to hear, Mister Sanshru, if you have any examples, normal or very silly, where ignorance would be bliss. Because I, I like it's. I think it's a great thought experiment. Like, are there any situations where date of death? So Data method of death. So, so you reckon that would be you, you'd prefer not to know. I, I, I can't think of a situation now. I'm sure there would be. Where fire it in the comments below. We want to hear. Let us know. Um, we'll I got. We'll, we'll talk about it. I got one more. I got one more before we we'll go back on to yours. Uh, this is from Andrew Tate. Uh, he is very interesting internet personality and a good online mate of mine. Can I ask if True Geordie regrets doing a hit piece on me? Now everyone knows he loves dildos. <laughs> Oh dear. True Geordie. background of that? So True Geordie's Instagram DMs have been leaked in which he talks at length about liking to be humiliated, about sucking the dick of a black man after it's been inside of this girl that he's talking to, about this girl humiliating him and putting dildos inside of his arse, um, about him then sucking the dildos after they've been inside of his own arse. Who leaked it? It was all over Twitter, man. Because you're not on Twitter, but... It is everywhere at the moment. And uh, he called out Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate did this ridiculously big tweet about uh, why he doesn't like Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> and it went like hyper viral. Um, and Andrew and Lawrence went at him fairly hard. Right. Um, and Andrew's recently done a video where he's just like, 
just got to be careful. Just be careful. On the internet. Exactly what he said. He's yeah. like, man, if you've got shit like this lurking around, don't come after someone like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether, I don't think it's him that leaked it, but I think the bigger lesson from that is like people think that when they type something in iMessage or WhatsApp or Instagram DM that like it's in this little private world that no one's going to fucking screenshot away but from yeah. being public. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, what you got? Give us another one. Let's do some quick fire ones. Let's move through. So mm-hmm. we need to get through some of this fucking uh, if you could have chosen your own name, what would you have picked? Abdul Bossid, uh, <laughs> Do you believe in mediums? No, 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 no. come on. Come on. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. I, I'm quite happy with Yusuf. It's it's a very common name in the Arab world, but here it's... I, I was mean, going to be Jonathan. Weird. Really? Yeah. I was going to be Jonathan. And then but I, you wanted that? I don't mind. Uh, Jonathan's Jonathan's cool name. There's one of the problems that I have with Jonathan is the number of different ways that there are yeah. to spell it. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, Johan, John, Johnny, John. Yeah. John, Johnny, John, John, Johnny, John. The sort of the Christian um, connotation of Christopher. Not bothered. Not bothered. Not bothered. Uh, Jonathan's biblical as well, I'm isn't fine. it? I don't, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I like Johnny. I don't like Jonathan, but it's a it's a link to like. Jonathan. <laughs> I like the fact that name. I've got two versions of my name, Chris and Christopher. So do you get, I suppose you don't have a short version of your name, do you? Seth. You, but like, but so, okay, so an example, one. like let's say you are, like someone has, has got to know you a bit and they call you Chris mm. rather than Christopher. Do you have a, a thing of like, ah. No. So, so I do with Johnny, definitely. Oh. Like if someone calls me Johnny, it's like they know me. I suppose Jonathan. Yeah. Because yeah. they've seen you on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if, if I get Jonathan, it's normally in a formal scenario, but Johnny is friends. Okay. So if someone in a like um, position of authority calls me Johnny, you're like, I'm trying to think of an example. It's just a good little canary in the coal mine about where they're at. Yeah. Like, do the yeah. coaches in class call you Jonathan, but when they're out of class, call no, you Johnny. Johnny? That's good. They call me Johnny. Uh, yeah. What was that? Do we believe in mediums? Yeah. Uh, where's it gone? Do you believe in mediums? Do you think there is some actual science behind their practices? No. Darren Brown. Mm. go watch loads of Darren Brown uh, we went to Iceland and all we did was just watch loads Brown. of Darren Brown I love Darren Brown because there was a blizzard uh, are you going to grow it was a fucking blizzard <laughs> it was a blizzard are you going to grow your hair again no the best type of male underwear grenade wear or smuggling duds um, what is the funniest thing you have ever seen a stranger do fuck me oh. wow. I reckon you'll have seen there was one that you said the other day excuse me I'm not being funny right oh god (laughs) the brain problem that's fairly funny oh yeah we've had so many things happen at events we've been to where at the time the event isn't that funny but retrospectively like fucking hilarious hilarious. but I can't none that would like translate on this right here we go it's not straight I do believe in mediums by the way do you? yeah but not not any anyone that advertises themselves to be one isn't one I think if you're at the point where you can, you're starting to like see glimmers of things that are outside of you, human reality, you'll be deep in a cave somewhere, not really caring about trying to prove it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time you're a medium, for anyone listening, if you're a medium, you'll know. And you're you going to be so off the deep end. That yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, speaking of spirits. <laughs> You know what I mean? You're yeah, like, like rubbing your face on the ground in the weeds. Like, like what do you have to gain from like being like, oh, mate, I can... Because you can chat to dead people. 
Yeah. You but can if, just fuck if you can if charge Corrales. That is a very good point. If, you, if you're a medium and you have access to the entire history of all dead people, what the fuck are you speaking to Sharon's mum for? Oh, yeah. God. That's so true. Fuck it. <laughs> Nikola Tesla's out there and you're, you're chatting. When you put it like that, it is completely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> completely ridiculous. Especially when Bruce all, Lee. All the people oh. are like, well, you know, Sharon, she's here. There's a calling. There's a calling. Like, there's, there's someone with an H. H in their name. Is it Harold or Harry? Or Harry. Hermione. And it's like, Hermione, I thought it was. <laughs> Yeah, like they're all scouts. <laughs> it's just the guy on Darren Brown who got um, absolutely hung, drawn, and quartered by. Oh, he got, yeah, he got done. Didn't yeah, that's funniest Darren. thing you've ever seen a stranger do. It wasn't a stranger, but drove Darren home after the staff Christmas party a couple of years ago, uh, and I saw him throw up on the ground on Jesmond back road, and then as he came up from throwing up, he threw up again standing upright, and the force of him throwing up laterally pushed him backwards and he fell over in mud. Oh, God. Um, that was fucking, at the time, side-splittingly hilarious. Something that, so related to that, this, this this is just something that occurs to me that was funny at the time. I was 18, I was in basement in Newcastle. Every, everyone was drinking Skittles and Trebles. And we had this thing where it was called a TP or a tactical puke. Probably heard of that. Tactical chunder was So you, you just keep going to keep going. So we're out in the alleyway and the three of us are making ourselves be sick. Successful. So there's everyone's like, you know, fingers down the throat and it's like... <laughs> And then like one person goes and that encourages number two to be sick and number three to be sick. And there was a guy walking down the alley at the time who, <laughs> sober, not on a night out, saw us being sick and consequently was sick. <laughs> <laughs> just like saw it and just the smell and he, I just saw him go... <laughs> Sympathy Brilliant. Oh, that is incredible. Brilliant. Wow. I feel like I've always been the person doing the weird thing rather than. <laughs> yeah, you do some fucking funny things. But the, the I love the idea of the sympathy bomb because it's like it, it, he can't then blame you. Oh, uh, you know when you're out <laughs> when you see someone be sick and it's the smell of it and it smells like parmesan and be like, oh, and it's right, him, it's him right him in the back of your throat where you smell yeah, it, isn't it? It's like oh. up there. And then him being sick like makes you want to be sick again and then you're using this self-fulfilling. Everyone's just fucking throwing up for hours. Uh, that was very funny. One Johnny, that. what we got? Let's do. Let's keep on moving through these. Quick. Oh, God, no, not that. Um, someone wants to hear, Matt Hoy wants to hear your nocturnal emissions story. Oh, it's in Vipassana 10-day retreat uh, <laughs> yeah, God, podcast. Yeah. Long story short, Yusuf was on a silent meditation retreat uh, wasn't allowed to think about sex or you're not allowed to you weren't allowed to masturbate didn't you have a day on the retreat where you just all you thought about was sex yeah was that the day uh, I think it was the day after yeah so um, Daniel Ingram says that because I, I thought like because I remember David describing this and like day one is, is sadness day two is fear day yeah. three and day three is porn <laughs> and uh, I, I said this to Daniel Ingram who's like the guy who's like completed meditation and he was like yeah, that's, that, that's what happens. He's like, that's the anatomy of the mind. Like everyone has that exact Porn sequence of, of emotions that go through on each of the 10 days. I don't think I've ever had a wet dream and you no, have one on a meditation retreat. You have them, and then, you have them constantly. Yeah, you, yeah you've, you've never had that. I've never like, had them either. It's if, if you just... If you've had a wet dream, inactive. comment below. Yeah. I, I Of my friends that I've had this conversation with, I think it's 50-50 split. Really? Yeah, okay. quite a lot of people have What's going on? I know. I mean, to come... In I've come in my pants. Yeah, I've uh, done a cum. I did a cum in my pants. So you woke up in a bunk bed after having done a cum. And then drop kicked a man 
with coming your pants. A French man who couldn't speak to him. <laughs> he couldn't even apologise. Oh, uh, yeah, because you, you're not allowed to. But you just like, the thing I, I just kept laughing. The thing I love about that is that, because the whole idea of not making eye contact is that you don't, like, fuck with anyone's chi, isn't it? Like you don't You've, you've yeah. drop-kicked a man with coming your pants. And for the rest of the week, whenever you walk past him, you burst out laughing. Like, if there's a way oh. to fuck with someone's head the, the problem is it was, like, a mad, mad laugh. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I just couldn't, like, I couldn't Hysteric. contain myself. <laughs> And so he was. thought I was like mocking him relentlessly. Well, exactly. Like, so he's gonna really... go, go sit and meditate for ten hours that day, <laughs> and all he can think about <laughs> is that weird bloke who looks like that pirate from the um, <laughs> fucking Peter Captain Man who looked like Captain Hook. <laughs> yes, yeah. is him the oh. guy with Smee who keeps stop me from getting in the Neverland? He, oh he drop kicked me, fucking me up. He'd come running down his leg. Um, right. Um, uh, if uh, using creatine, should I use it on non-training days? Yes. Just propinfitness.com forward slash creatine. Yep. How's the Propin Fitness Space Program progressing? Space Program? That's a question. Did we... Casper Sor- Sorensen. Casper. It's because in your one of your slides is a photo of a spaceman tumbling. Doing this is tumbling. Jesus okay. Christ, that is such a... Attention to detail. High fidelity attention, yeah, exactly. Wow. Why are uh, Johnny's legs so long? Why are Johnny's legs so long? Obs from Classic. Because Powerlifting. Um, Classic. Why? why Who's that? Ob- uh, uh, because Tom, Powerlifting. Tom Wilkes. Oh, right. Tom Wilkes Booth. Yeah, the uh, guy with the who's even made his last name powerlifting related. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the Wilkes formula anymore; it's the IPF formula. Okay. Oh. Um, who oh, is the coolest person who listens to Modern Wisdom? My mum. My mum listens oh. to Modern Wisdom. Your mum likes all our shit on Facebook as well. She's fucking great. Yeah, man. honestly, she's biggest fan. fan. Coolest person that you know that listens to Modern Wisdom? Any cool people that you know that have said, "Oh, I listen to that." I don't know. There's there's a lot of people who I'm meeting in the CrossFit gym who listen to Modern Wisdom who love it. Yeah, man. I mean, are they all cool? I suppose they are. Some of them are fucking fit. Uh, if you were to pick a favourite Modern Wisdom episode from the last 100 that we've done, what would it be? Any that stand up? How to Survive University continues that, to come yeah. back as a fucking belter because I just wish good. I'd had it. I enjoyed Business 101. Oh, I enjoyed yeah. the first Business one just because I think those stories are always like, at the time, not funny at all. Like after. When, when things go wrong, not funny at all, but afterwards, hilarious. Oh, it's true. Life Hacks 107 was very good as well, I remember. What but, happened in that one? Um, I, I Did you talk about being, some Life Hacks? Yeah, we, we, yeah we, it was we, it Life Hacks 107 was where we really went off. I think it's like an hour and 40. It was like a real God. proper motherfucker one. Uh, We're done with our questions. Unless, hold on, I'm, oh God, Christ. <laughs> oh, the second one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how to, one, uh, how to start improving... The value of your inner circle and stepping away from negative slash passive people. Mm. Be friends with people that want the best for you. Jordan Peterson all over again. Just In terms of how you do that, someone asked us a question the other day about like, how do you improve your network? And I just said, um, for me, it's always been the gym, I think, where I've like met the most interesting people. Mm. Like if you want to meet interesting people, go to interesting places. I'm not saying the gym's an interesting place, but like you can say for, for fairly sure, as long as you're not going to like a class and exercise for less or whatever. Like if you go to something that like you're interested in in fitness, you'll probably find someone who's interested in the same thing. They're probably also interested in other self-development things. And So so I think that you'll find those people, yeah, if you go to the hangout of the interest for that thing, and you're more likely to find a higher quality people within that if you join something that's behind a paywall. So if you join a, me- a mentorship or a, 
a, a gym or so, something that's exclusive, but it's for people that, because they, they've all put their money where their mouth is and they've all like decided mm. to enter into a, a network Paid. or something to really yeah. take things faster. George McGill, when does Johnny plan on using Snapchat ads? <laughs> Did you really ask that? <laughs> Jesus George. Christ. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, George. Uh, no, it's a good suggestion, George. I'm looking into it. Social Commando, what are your thoughts on Insta removing the follower and like numbers? Fine. I don't like the idea of follower because I think that it is uh, an indicator of credibility. Mm. Do you think they're going to do that? They're Actually, trying the uh, removal of likes. I think there's no yeah, like likes, counter in likes Australia. Um yeah. They can't wow. remove comments, surely, because then you can't comment. As in, you can't see the number of comments. Okay, you can like, count them manually. You can't see the yeah. You can't see the engagement basically on posts on Instagram. That's interesting. I wonder why they're doing that in, in influencer stuff and younger people being obsessed with it. Ooh, so they're wow. having to like yeah. It's an interesting experiment. Like I think it's affected a lot of influencers negatively. Well, that, that's that's their credibility, right? Their credibility it's is... It's a currency, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Yusuf made a big career U-turn. How did he make that big decision and implement it? I think we discussed this in Business Principles 102. Definitely mm. worth listening back to. Yeah. You just said, fuck it, I'm sick. It was, yeah, it, it was pain avoidance rather than um, some kind of noble motivation to, yeah... yeah. Uh, you're all sexual professionals. Well, These are from Tricky Ricky. Professionals. So, you are all sexual professionals <laughs> and within fitness, nutrition, meal prep. And within, okay. Uh, nutrition, meal prep, hacks and tips. Slow cooker. Hold on, what's the question? I'm not sure about the first bit. Just <laughs> nutrition slash meal prep, hacks and tips. Just drop it, Johnny, drop it. <laughs> Slow cooker. Yeah. Um, for me, removing gluten, removing like big sources of gluten and dairy has helped. Like I can't believe you just said that, Chris. You used to eat a lot of pasta, didn't you? I've just switched it to different right. starch carbs. Right. Yeah. Did you go like um, Violet Beauregard in Willy Wonka? No, just a little Did bit of Did they have it on you down the thing? Mm. Did that not happen to you? That part happened to me when I had to. And I remember that actually I'm not celiac and it's fine. You listen to me. We all occasionally have epically fail slash down days slash get pissed off. How do you deal with them? Change your state. Mm-hmm. Change your temperature. So move. So here's an interesting thing. We wanted to chat to you about this. Ages ago, you said, I get the same zero one f- f- um, mentality oh, shift from yeah. training. And me and you like, but Chris, with CrossFit, you-, you definitely do. And it, I think it's because you get, there is a, de- a definite, you finish the session, you're like, oh, and you're immediately in a better mood and you're immediately forgotten what you were worrying about before. Yeah. So that's what made me go back to like, just get up, like go for a run, move, do something, change your temperature, cold shower, hot shower, coffee, the metal, common, listen to Beartooth's album. Yeah. The, the, the commonality there is get out of your head and into your body. Yeah. And then, yeah. And we'll that, I mean, I said, the quote is, I get a better mindset reset from training than I do from a night's sleep. sleep. Yeah. Um, and that's true. My, I have more, I wonder whether this has actually been made worse by my meditation practice. The fact that my, my emotions are a little bit more transparent to me now and, and concentration, clarity and equanimity. I'm trying to hold them with more of that, mm. um, which actually means that they're more visceral and they're more at the forefront of everything. Um, but yeah, just go train. Um, I have like real depressive episodes, which I, I haven't had, thankfully I haven't had really that much recently. So, 
Um, when it's those ones, uh, it's a there's not really much of a solution. Like when it's a proper can't get out of bed day, try and get out of bed. Try and go for a little walk. I did a tweet not long ago that said um, almost all of the problems in my life can be fixed by a ten minute walk, a good night's sleep, a glass of water, or a wank. <laughs> Ideally, all at once. Actually, a guy to follow for that sort of stuff is Paul Maud. Is it? He's was diagnosed with bipolar. You said, yeah. Paul Maud, um, had like professional help, but now um, like self manages, and he has a lot of stuff about state change. And his, I think his quote is like, state. "Where attention, where attention goes, energy flows." So he does a lot of stuff about like focusing on. You feel that way. So it's like, right, what a win I've had today. Like, right, I'm just going to focus on that. I'm just going to put all my energy into this thing. Or, you know, go, he like goes and gets in his car and plays music really loud and goes for a drive. Yeah. And you can you can immediately think like, oh, actually, yeah, oh, probably nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, yeah, do you th- what do you think is the biggest factor in sticking to your goals and avoiding getting distracted? Uh, that's, oh. that's from uh, Jake. Uh, you need to know what your goals are. Like, I'm terrible. I've, I've never done proper, genuine long-term planning for goals ever. I just um, think you can, but I've never done it. I've never even done any sort of more, like moderately formalized process. Mm. Like the closest that I've come is future authoring from Jordan Peterson, and I did half of the course. So I just sticking to your goals requires you to have goals, um, and unless you go through a process of working out what it is that you want and then deciding how you even begin to move towards that. You just like 90% of people will say, I don't achieve, or I haven't achieved my goals. And you say, okay, what are your goals? And they won't have an answer. Mm. So this is um, the quote that, that, that Chris often quotes, which is he who has the right, why can bear almost any how from Nietzsche. And like, yeah, if you know what the high level thing that you're aiming for is, then putting those jigsaw pieces into place becomes much more effortless because it's all with a greater purpose in mind. The thing Whereas that, if you wake up and you're just falling into it. Uh, the thing that made me feel like a prick was the quote from James Smith. James Smith? James Clear. Um, where he's like, uh, or the, someone rephrased it where it's like, everyone on um, the start line of the 100 metres Olympics has the goal to win the 100 metres but one of them wins, and the only the, the difference is not the goal. The difference is the, the process. And you're just like, oh. you, know, <laughs> you spend all this time like setting these goals in your life, and you're like, actually, like Bill Gates has got a goal, like biz- probably similar business goals, like grow his business. But he really he really achieves it. Nat Eliason has a, a great uh, rebuttal to that: that systems without goals are pointless. Systems without goals. So that the system has to have to have a be attached to something. I, so I agree with that, yeah. yeah. It's really good. Really nice compliment to that. Um, the ever-accepting nature of the CrossFit community, where does it come from? Or is the CrossFit member base the most affluent cons- fitness consumers on earth? <laughs> it's probably a bit of that. So CrossFit's quite an elitist, like quite a, especially in the UK, it's pretty privileged, mm. like very white, very middle class, at least yeah. in our gym. And we're in the, you know, we're in the th- thick of a, uh, Newcastle. Centre of Newcastle, isn't it, essentially? Yeah, yeah. Hardly, hardly like Toffsville. Um, yeah. It's under Dallas it, carpet. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah, it's, uh, that, is a good, that is a good point. I think one of the other things is that CrossFit's branded itself as it looks cool. Like if you dress like a powerlifter outside of the gym, people 
walk on the other side of the street to you. If you dress like a CrossFitter outside of the gym, you look like someone that does fitness. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a commercially acceptable face of powerlifting, strength sports, endurance. Like, you don't have to wear tights. You don't have to wear a wetsuit. You don't have to wear, like, weird heavy metal T-shirts and, like, a beard. And It's it's very... Um... Aspergic. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a little like just surgical I've certainly felt extremely welcomed and I didn't expect that. I thought I'd get like who's this guy who, you know, big three hundred kilo deadlift, like well, let's show him. Yeah. But it's been the opposite of that. It's been um, you know, like coaches like taking extra time to explain something like I can't do a toaster bar. Like how bad is that? But explaining it to me. But the, I think for me, it's the it's the branding, probably. Like, they make it look aspirational. You don't watch, you don't even watch Olympic lifting on TV. It's probably the, like Olympic lifting and strongman. Not many people sit and watch, like, Brian Shaw at Christmas and think, fuck me, I want to look like Brian Shaw. Like, or like, oh, Brian Shaw's like, they, they look at the like, oh God, like, imagine he's, he's going to have a bad back. Whereas you watch, like, the CrossFit documentaries and you think, like Rich Froning just looks badass. Like you can do all this stuff. He looks good, healthy, healthy. Yeah, good. Like rounded family life. Yeah. Like you hear the stories about Eddie Hall, mm. like where he was at when he's he was shredded now. When he was yeah, he's getting, getting proper shreddy. But when he was at the peak of his career, he was like, my, he was he was pretty adamant. With another six months, his marriage would have been fucked. He had like multiple heart attack as well. He was fucked. Yeah, fully fucked. Strong back. Have you got? Have, have seen that you've got some new ones on the second story? Uh, yeah. Uh, what would be your ultimate life hack? Which you already kind of covered, haven't yeah. you? Um, Swipe up. Yeah. Should trans athletes be allowed to compete as, as the gender they identify as? So I really like Joe Rogan's perspective on this. I don't know what that is. Which is that um, with with combat sports particularly, we need to be very careful about um, is is it progressive to allow someone who has been physiologically a man for 30 years and transitioned very recently to beat up a woman when there is an unfair combat advantage in terms of reflexes, um, total muscle mass. So that's hinged on this idea that it's someone's biological capabilities are influenced by the gender they were at birth, right? Or like the sex they were. I don't know. I'd be saying it wrong, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, 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 you know, if, if you, if you take gender out of it and you say you have two humans, Mm -hmm competing in a combat sport, one of them's had 30 years of testosterone and then yeah. stopped the testosterone. And that's influenced their physiology in such a way that they have an unfair advantage. Is that fair from a sporting perspective? And I think it, you've got to really separate the um, sociocultural issues of, of gender and gender politics from um, just the pure sporting judgment. Mm-hmm. Or just issues. hormones. Yeah, like hormones are one of the most important things in competitive sport. fucking hell! Like, into, like Dick Pound, yeah. which is the head of Wada, or like maybe he was. Yeah. Like Dick Pound is sat there, and he is all he is thinking about is hormones. What are we allowing people to have in their bodies and not have in their bodies? Mm-hmm. And then you take, as you say, like someone who's had thirty years of high levels of testosterone, and then they decide to compete with women so so you've got two things running up against each other which is one someone's right to express the gender identity that they feel they should express Mm. in a sport that they love and the other is sporting fairness yeah 
because and it safety, doesn't it doesn't yeah, safety, yeah. even before all of the safety things it's like 100 meter sprint the i think the uh evening i think it might be golf or tennis it's in tennis like the thousandth man in the world would beat serena williams apparently right and you're like is but they play like i don't know whether this is the same thing but they play like a different volume of Tennis, don't they? Mm. Male and female mm. tennis players. It's a totally different tactic, I think. But even if you just look at the raw data, so like look at the hundred meter times of the men and the women. Mm. Let's say you allow one of those men to assign themselves as a woman and compete mm. in the women female Olympics. Is that fair on the female athletes who were competing last year? Mm. Well, there was a, there was like, a weightlifter, wasn't there? That transitioned. Laurel Hubbard. Laurel, was it that like clean and jerked one thirty in the like top weight category, which for a man is a was that not a jerks. high higher than higher than normal testosterone levels? Or was that was that that thing? Or oh, was that something I th- else? I thought it was someone who I no, a, per- I th- a person called Laurel Hubbard was one of the big weightlifting things. So I had a fairly lengthy discussion with Zuby about this. He was a guy who tweeted saying, uh, "People say there's no biological difference uh, between men and women. Um, watch me smash the world women's deadlift record." Uh, PSI identified as a woman, so I, by do, while doing this, don't be a bigot. Um, and he pulled 230 sumo, and that is 40 kilos under his max, but 10 kilos over the woman's, in that weight category, in the mm. correct weight category. Um, the question that I haven't actually got around to speaking about, I spoke to Andrew Doyle about this as well, is the other side of the debate, which is, what do you do as a trans athlete? Mm. Like, if you're a man who's transitioned to be a woman and you're a boxer, and you want to box, who the fuck do you box? So I remember yeah. Ben Tome was was talking about this with someone saying that, like, we just maybe need to use a different <clears throat> definition of male-female. Like, ba- I don't know whether it's basing it on chromosomes or basing it on something something that's not the way that we currently define mm-hmm. it. But the problem is this, then- that there's a, a, a lack of clarity between what male as XXXY definition uh, with tied in with hormone profile and gender expression or gender identity is and then you're trying to fit these square pegs into round holes that work for sport yeah and this is where the difficulty lies and 50% of the difficulty of when people are having these discussions is that people play linguistic tricks and they go <laughs> right well you've said woman do you not mean woman or Matt and you're like yeah. oh mate <laughs> people just want to get offended give, by it give over I, I want to have a discussion about it's a difficult how- thing to navigate like you try talking about it, it's a difficult thing to get say the right things and express it in the right way. It's even more difficult not when people someone. want to get offended, though. They're I just know. waiting for you to ah, slip up, you fucking bigot, you fucking transphobe. Especially when they have an opinion, and if you express an opinion that isn't their opinion, you're immediately unfair. And no, mate, I just think it's something different it's, to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the things. But, yeah, the question of, like, do you then, obviously, be fairly prejudiced to segregate trans across and say, right, okay, here's a male to female and a female to male mm. category that you can only go in. I mean, that's going to be so whittled down that they, yeah, it's going to be a terrible sport to watch or be involved in because you're never going to find someone who's of a similar capacity to you. But it's fraught to try and continue to fit these things into the existing um, setups. Because mm. there has to be parameters for sport. Like it, it isn't sport if it's just anyone can do whatever the fuck they want. Because then know, it's, it's unfair. I know I weighed into the 105s at 120, but I identify as 105. Yeah, like, can I identify as a 74? That would help me immensely. 
I'd win. You know, Everything. But, so it's like, you, you, there is a parameter that is set in stone because it's a number on a scale. Mm. And Wilkes and, you know, the 100 metre time, all these things are data points that, you, that cannot be argued with. But because this is, this is still a parameter which affects the fairness of the game that is being played. But because there's an emotional aspect to it, it gets very mm-hmm. tense very quickly. Well, it's, the, it's the Ben Shapiro question, right? Why aren't you 60? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you 60? It's, yeah, well, because I'm I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Is and, it George Peterson who's like, are you a tree? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, because you're not a tree. Okay, yeah. well, okay. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> well, terrible impression. But the, Shapiro, the Shapiro one where he's like, are, are, are you 60? Why aren't you 60? And the girl says, well, because there's there's... There's not there's there's a bit of a difference between what I am now and, and being sixty, and he says yes, there is, but there is a much bigger difference between <laughs> you being a woman and you being a man. Um, and the problem with this is that because of how militant some active voices have been on the left on this issue, what you will do is you will like just put in like in volleyball, it's like that little <laughs> setup <laughs> before <laughs> the spike, yeah, and then someone like some motherfucker like Peterson or Harris or uh, Shapiro is going to come in and they're going to eviscerate someone and make them look silly. And then, and then what's going to happen is they're going to be accused of being insensitive, which Mm. perhaps they've uh, delivered it in a sensitive way. And then it's like, like, oh, and and they go back and then it creates this game of tennis. Well, yeah. Like, and I think like, this is why I think like, I I mean, I'm a clinician, I'm a scientist. I'm not interested in really in the, in the gender politics and it's like, okay, so if we want to, if it's a real question, someone's actually interested in how do we judge sport, then it's like, right, what is the fundamental premise that we are saying here? We're saying we have two divisions, men, men and women. First of all, should we have two divisions split up like that? That's the first question. The next one is, is there a objective difference between men and women? Is there a biological difference? And that point alone is still being debated. Like there's still people that believe that there is no, no biological difference between men and women. And then it's just like, the way that they're socialized as children. So, so then you're like, okay, well, I mean, that's, that's fine to believe if you, if you want to believe that on your own, but <laughs> then do you have any problem taking testosterone for 30 years? Or do you have any problem like competing in a, you, well, if you ask those people like, like, okay, well, should we allow drugs and sports? Like but, is Lance but, Armstrong was what did what? what he was doing is that okay well it's fine because it wouldn't make a difference having testosterone or not because it's it doesn't there's no mm. so so i think because the fundamental premise isn't really clearly fleshed out then it means you can't move any further forward because it's like that quote, still um of like um calories in calories out is like gravity and if you're saying you don't believe in gravity then i have no interest in like getting in your plane or whatever mm. i've butchered it but you know what i mean yeah. like there, there are fundamental things that have to be like all right fine Gravity exists. It's, now let's talk about even with, yeah. even with all of those things, right? And I said this to Andrew Doyle and to Zuby. I was like, this whole trans athletes in sports thing is a, a fucking very highly charged minefield. Mm. And I'm incredibly glad that I don't need to try and litigate it. You like, can you imagine now. if you're the man who has to work out whether or not transitioning athletes dick, should be... Dick Pound. Dick Pound. He'll be up there. Dick He'll be on the board pound. as part of deciding. Pounding. This. Yeah, difficult job. Uh, a pound. a uh, kind of adjacent question to this. <laughs> toxic masculinity in uh, quotation marks. This is from Luke. Uh, toxic masculinity. Who's to blame more 
for its creation, men or women. Oh, Do, so what what is toxic masculinity? Doesn't exist, as like far what? as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm clear on it. But toxic masculinity is um, the over overexpression of typically masculine traits to a tyrannical or uh, oppressive level, I suppose. Okay, so mansplaining, manspreading. Everything with man kind of, in it. Manchester. Man- <laughs> Manual. Yeah. Stephen Manual. Stephen Manual. Uh, as far as I'd I'm like con- to know his opinion on this. As far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing <laughs> as toxic masculinity. It's just people naming things. It's just people naming character traits. You have people that are girly, girly guys and masculine guys. Toxic masculinity to me is just the same as toxic femininity. Like, do you think like, you know, the, the generations prior to us, like, you know, the generation that dealt with like World War II, I just think, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I imagine if you presented them the sort of things that are being argued about now, mm. they'd just be upset. There's what a the clip of George, of George from uh, on Mental Models 1 or 2 saying something like that, of like something about being on the front line in World War Two, and then... They're like, oh, my Instagram doesn't get any likes. <laughs> so, like, I can't do that because I don't identify as a soldier. <laughs> on the other side, on the other side of that question, it's no use to any of us to judge the life that we have now with the lens that we would have used a hundred years ago. Like, I'm not saying um, I don't know why I'm fucking bothered about uh, getting cancer. At least I didn't buy, die of the bubonic plague. Like, yeah, well, hang on. I, I, I need to. I need to refine the fidelity of my view for what for criteria now. I need my life and the life of those around me to be at as time progresses and as life gets better. Like, yes, we are no longer at a world war. Therefore, I can start to look at things like what our attention device is doing to mm. my brain. As long mm. as it's not, I, I feel like some of these things feel very much like they're making a problem. They're like, if you, so toxic masculinity, like, yeah, like, so being in a landing craft about to arrive on like Normandy beaches, that is for, uh, no one would argue that that is a problem you're about to experience. Serious problem. Like, and, and, but you know, in the same way, cancer is a problem. Like you can't argue that because cancer isn't the bubonic plague, that it's not as bad, you know, it's still a problem to deal with. Mm -hmm. But like, if you are, everything in your life is, is all right but you decide that actually toxic masculinity really offends you. It's like, well, it, do, it, it does it have to, or are you choosing for it to be the case? Like if people lie to themselves so effectively, I think a lot of people would struggle to answer that. Mm-hmm. I think, a lot, and especially if you then add in availability bias and echo chambers and uh, yeah, like, if all your mates agree with you, yeah, then, then you can create yourself to believe anything that you want. Right. I suppose we all have to have something to focus on and think about. So why not make it toxic masculinity? Why not? Eh? Why don't we all just get really upset about it? About toxic masculinity, and then there's a militia who we can, which we can join, and they are humble and grateful, and they're independent. Um, they must be stopped. There's two points here from my housemate who's upstairs. Uh, number one, best way uh, to go about getting on the property ladder or investing in property. Think this will be useful to a lot of people and me. Let's try and do a really quick version of this. Build up thirty five grand. Build up 35 grand, purchase a property which has at least two bedrooms, ideally three if you can. Let the other two. That's it. I'd invest in REITs. What's that? Real Estate Investment Trust. Are they available in the UK? Yeah. So it's an investment vehicle that basically allows you to get some of the gain. You probably know better than I do. It allows you to get some of the gain of property without actually owning property. 
Yeah, it's like a aggregate of a property portfolio that you get to buy in like a certain amount into. And because you don't then need discrete sums of 35 grand per, you know, d- deposit per thing, you can kind of get exposure to the return of the properties that the REIT is investing in without having to go all in. Like a JV. For we should it. say, yeah. this isn't financial advice. This is not financial advice. Yeah, it's just saying there this is, is just, there is a vehicle. Is, this is what exists. we are aware of, what we might do, maybe. Part two, Seth's advice to zero jealousy. Seth. 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 He's called you Seth, but I've, I've changed it because <laughs> he means in. Seth. Seth's advice to zero jealousy. I'm calling you Seth. 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 Um, you Seth. Or like Samuel. Fine. So it was, it was quite simple. I just, well, sat, sat on a rock. Just release it for two hours. And it was something that at the time for me was very pertinent. It was the front of my consciousness. And I think when something is at the forefront, you, if you dive into it, you realize it's like a bubble. It's, it's looks like it's really big and intimidating and overbearing. And you just penetrate to the center of it and then it'll burst and you realize there's no pain attached to it anymore. And the triggers that would normally have set that off just aren't there. They don't exist anymore. Um, so, so do you have any suggestions of places for people to, to look like start Finland. that journey? Maybe. Yeah. I, I listened Finland. to Finland. Where did you go? Yeah, it was in Finland. Well remembered. Shit. <laughs> nice. Um, so there's, there's a few resources to, to start with, but I, and I've, I've not read this, but I, this might be a more accessible one is a book called radical acceptance. Cause I think, the the methods that I use kind of twisted into each other and there's there's too much to trace back from, but um, literally just sitting and like diving into the story, all of the physical sensations, all of the the thoughts and beliefs around it and just keep diving into it until you're fully comfortable with it because what you're probably doing is holding it away in some capacity. Um, And if that, approach doesn't work then the Byron Katie method that Johnny mentioned is very effective for interpersonal griefs just anything that happens anything that but happens anything basically anything in your life you can use that process for ask four questions until that time yeah. Gary yeah. Weber is a good guy to look into for this stuff because he did this with just everything in his life and <laughs> so, then yeah and, and created he, did, he like took Byron Katie and Sedona, Sedona yoga, meditation, all to 11, didn't he? He just took more to 11. Yeah. So, and he's, he's, cha- he's functionally changed his brain and it's, it's been replicated on fMRIs. Like he's just got a permanent shift in the way that his brain if works. If you watch the Daniel Ingram interview with Yusuf, Daniel Ingram on, on Skype, the YouTube video, you can just <laughs> tell, just watch the way that he expresses himself. It's just fine a, about everything. Totally like, he's a hundred percent. Can you look into that camera and do it for me? He's a hundred percent present, completely emotionally neutral. Bit happy, <coughs> bit happy, bit yeah. happy. There's like a tinge of this is fun, yeah. <laughs> but if it changed, it would be. Fun. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah watch the interview with Daniel Ingram. Great. We, we couldn't get Gary Weber on the podcast. He's yeah, he declined. Motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, last one. Where did the inspiration to do the podcast come from? From Sean J. Uh, I did CrossFit on the Propane Fitness podcast, what, like three years ago? Yeah. Two and a half, three time, years ago. Time ago. In our office. Uh, really enjoyed the process. Love having discussions. Decided that I wanted to do it more. What was the first episode? This. It Stu- wasn't. Stu Morton. Rowing the Atlantic. Oh, Rowing the Atlantic. Number one. Fuck yeah. Then Life Hacks 101 and 102 and number two and three. When I started 
CrossFit, I went back and listened to the episodes with Jordan and uh, like episode four Paul and, five and, and Tim. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Time ago, those. Good ones. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. 100 episodes deep. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. For doing 100 episodes of Modern Wisdom. Great thank questions. You. Great yeah, questions. they were really good questions. We'll do another Q&A if you want. Uh, any comments that you have, obviously, leave them below if you're on YouTube. If not, if you're on iTunes or wherever else, leave us five stars. It does make me very happy and it helps with the show's rating. Uh, what have we got coming up? Bloody hell. We've got um, Chelsea Ferguson, the girl that owns AdmireMe.VIP, which is a really interesting way that girls have decentralised the ability to earn from their nudes. Who thought that was going to be a thing? 2019. Um, we're going to do more business principles, more life hacks will be coming. Uh, and fuck knows, we've got another 100 episodes to get to before we have to think about something cool to do for episode 200. So. I think by like episode 300, Q&As are just going to be links to other podcasts. <laughs> Doesn't matter what anyone asks us, it'll just be episode, episode 13, 29, 124, <laughs> and we'll just have all that. In fact, that should be the mission. To be absolutely indexed. Well, to, yeah, to have indexed your knowledge into podcasts so effectively. So no human can come up with a question that hasn't already been answered and then it's... Whoa. And then someone will have to, like, you know, the IBM Watson, like, make a new one of them to ask us a question. Like, like to, to create new prime numbers or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a Bitcoin miner to find the next possible question. Yeah. And then it. we'll just make a new podcast. And, uh, and then we're all done. Uh, don't forget... Follow the guys from Propane Fitness. They do post some interesting stuff and they have a fantastic podcast. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Thank you very much indeed. 100 episodes. We did it, baby. Yes. Keep on it. Keep on it.